Hello and welcome to another episode of NCC Audio. I am your host, Nicholas Chamberlain, and today we are going to be speaking with Trent Horn, the host of the Council of Trent podcast. In the past 30 days, his podcast has been listened and downloaded over 245,000 times, and he has had over 3.51 million listens and downloads since the launch of his podcast in February of 2018. And in today's episode, we are going to be discussing all the different various formats of podcasting, what we like and what we don't like, and how we think a podcaster could be more effective in these different delivery styles of podcasting. Hey, Trent, how's it going? Hey, Nick, it's good to be here. And big thanks for all your work at NCC Audio and everything you're doing to edit my podcast and get it to sound great. That's definitely contributed to it being downloaded many times. I'm very grateful for that. Thank you so much. So I was able to get all those stats because, yeah, you're saying I edit and I produce your podcast, so I'm able to look at all the statistics. And it has been a crazy amount of growth. I remember you're getting about seven to 10,000 listens a week. Now it's around 10 to 12,000 listens a day. Yeah, per episode. So I used to do I used to do like five episodes a week and maybe it'd eke out 7,000 listens per week at that rate. Now I do about three episodes a week for the Council of Trent. I do episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays dealing with theology, talking about the Catholic faith. Fridays, I do Free For All Friday, which is just kind of fun, eclectic topics. Uh, So I do three half-hour episodes a week, and those get around, yeah, like you said, about 10,000 downloads per episode, and the word of mouth continues to grow. Yeah, so I'm safe to say that he has a good amount of authority behind of what we're going to be talking about. He has great experience, and he has a large following. So if you want to check out his podcast, go to thecounciloftrentpodcast.com. And so, all right, Trent, I think we're going to talk about four different podcast formats. Yeah. So we're, the four I want to talk about today are the interview style, the banter style, the narrative style, and the solo style. So if you're a podcaster thinking about starting a podcast or you have one and you're thinking about ways to improve your podcast, make sure you listen to this entire podcast so you can get more ideas on how to improve your podcast. Now, I, what's interesting about these styles we're going to talk about here uh, that I've done my podcast, The Council of Trent, for about two years. So I've done about 300 episodes. And I my episodes are in actually a variety of formats. Mm-hmm. So if you do a podcast, sometimes your podcast may exhibit different styles that we're going to go through. I also did a podcast before this called, uh, it was called Hearts and Minds. Mm -hmm. Then I think it became trending. I think it changed its name later. Uh, And I had a co-host with that. So it was different from what I do now. But of the four we're going to talk about, I have done three of them extensively uh, myself or in partnering with other podcasts. Yeah. So that if you go through and listen to the Council of Trent, you can hear a variety of um formats mm-hmm. and we'll get into all of those different ones let's do it all right the first format the interview style this is i believe the most common you have a host and a guest and then the host just interviews the guests and tries to get as much information out of the guests and they just have a dialogue between 22 minutes to an hour length it That's depends, it. unless you're somebody like uh, Joe Rogan or my friend Matt Frad, who does wonderful Pints with Aquinas podcast. That there's a trend now in inter- in interviews for podcasts where some people sit down for two or three hours oh. at a time, 
and we'll talk to someone. And if they have a good guest and can keep you interested, they have that three hours of content. And I've noticed what a lot of people do with that, especially if they are videotaping or video recording the podcast, is to take clips from it to upload to YouTube. So I think that's how Joe Rogan has really gotten around a lot. Honestly, I think most people are familiar with him through the clips from the Joe Rogan podcast that show up on YouTube rather than just listening to his podcast uh, himself. So I, th- so I think those interviews, you're right. When I've done them, I've been a guest on different podcasts where people have asked, very common for people to ask me to come on to be a guest. I use interviews for my own podcast maybe about 20 to 30% of the time for, if I mean, you've listened to the ones that mm-hmm. I record. Because um, I, I love having people with different perspectives on uh, that you can put it forward in that way. But there are there are pluses and minuses to using the interview format. But you're right, it's, it's super common. Whenever I go to other podcasts, it's almost always they're just kind of strict interview-based podcasts. One thing I like about the interview style is you know what you're going to get out of it pretty much from the title. So if you're going to get some great information from the guest, basically, right? Well, do you like that when you sit down and you click on this is going to be an interview, you know who the person, who they're talking to, what they're about, and you can decide if you want to tune into that and if that is an expert that you're interested in. So you're right. And although it depends, it does depend on the skill of the interviewer. So there's Mm -hmm. a plus there in that you can have a lot of great content that the podcaster doesn't have himself. Because the reason you would interview someone about a subject is because you may not know as much about that subject or someone else knows more about it, or you can get, it's a better format than you just talking about it, is you extracting the information Mm. from someone else for the benefit of your listeners. But that relies on you being a good interviewer, which is not as easy as it sounds. Yeah, it is quite difficult because you want to, as a host, you want to be able to pull out the information that's going to be engaging and pull out the information that you think is going to be most helpful for the listeners. Yeah. So if you want to do an interview-based format, a lot of podcasters will fall into the interview format because it's one of the easier formats to do. It is easy, yeah. I mean, and honestly, for myself, when I do my show prep uh, for the different kinds of formats that I use, when I'm interviewing someone, it's still a fair amount of work that I put in for an interview-based episode, but it's not near as much as when it's, let's say, a solo episode where it's just me, which we'll talk about here later. Mm-hmm. And so I still have to be prepared and I still do work for it. I have been on podcasts, Nick, where people interview me mm-hmm. and it's very clear they have done no prep work or work at all. And they are excruciating to be in. Oh, that's good to know, because as a host, I've been inviting on people I do not know. I just kind of look at their bio- bios and I reach out and I just try to get to know them as I'm talking with them on the podcast. But I'm also trying to pull out a lot of good information. So for those podcasts, I do a good amount of background work and show prep. But as other listeners know, you will hear me and Brandon Manderson. We don't do any show prep for that. It's just two friends bantering back together. And that's kind of another style yeah. of interview. Well, well that's we'll, not interview yeah. style. That's well, banter. It's banter. And we'll, we'll get, get to, to that, that shortly. But interviews, you're right. Interview is different than banter in that you are engaging someone that you don't know personally, or at least is not a regular fixture on your show. And the goal here is to extract, if you will, information, stories, experiences from this person to share for the benefit of your listeners. And so the thing that I can't stand is I go on some shows and people will interview me, let's say about a book I've written. I've written Mm -hmm. nine books and I'll get on there and they just start reading the back cover of the book and they say, so what do you think about that? Or they ask me really bland questions like, Mm -hmm. what was your favorite part of writing this book? 
what do you think is the most important thing people can take away from it? And those questions can be fine in and of themselves, but it's like if you go on a date and you just like ask someone, so what's your favorite cereal? You know, it's just like, it's not, it's almost like in the dating environment, you want to ask an insightful question to get to know this other person. And that's the goal with interviews. And as you ask the questions, you want to follow a certain flow so that people understand. And that it means asking follow-up questions mm-hmm. that make sense whenever you're doing a good interview. So I, I've been interviewed many, many, many times, and I interview people for my podcast. When I'm listening to them and I'm asking them questions, I'm always thinking in my mind, I'm listening to what they are saying, and I'm also using my mind to think, okay, how is the audience receiving what this person is saying? So a bad interviewing podcast is someone, well, really anywhere, a bad podcaster is someone who forgets about his audience. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a running theme throughout all these different styles, Mm -hmm. that you're going to be a bad podcaster if you forget about your audience. This is not for you. It is not for you and your co-host. So if I'm listening to someone and interviewing them and only asking questions I find interesting Mm -hmm. or am just focused there, I'm always listening to my guests and thinking, what is the audience thinking as this person is talking? And then if I can get one step ahead of what my audience is thinking and I ask that question to the guest, then the audience has a better experience and they're going to tune into more episodes. Yeah. So if you're listening right now and you're thinking, how can I make this interview style most effective? I think those are some great techniques you're you're talking about right now. You got to make sure the audience is following along and like you just have a really good format of the interview and you prepare for the interview. That's going to be very important. Preparation is important. You know what this person is about. And so you might have a list of questions that you're already going to ask. So I think when you have a list of questions, it's similar to scripts that you would use in other format styles for a podcast. Uh, You don't want to be so loose in that you don't have a script, you don't Mm -hmm. have questions, you just do it kind of off the cuff because it it gets disorganized and not fun to listen to. But you also don't want to necessarily do questions that are so rigid that these are my six questions, Mm -hmm. these are the only things I'm going to ask, and that's it. Though I will say, Nick, I prefer someone who has their seven questions and that is it versus someone who is unorganized and doesn't really know what they want to ask. Because I've been on interviews where the person sent me their seven questions. They asked me the seven questions and that is the interview. And it's very clean cut. It has a bit of an artificial quality to it, but it's way better than being disorganized. So I do think if you're going to ask someone questions, I think it is a good idea to send them ahead of time to the guest. That way they're not stumped or they're not caught off guard in the interview. That way it will flow better when they know what you're planning to talk about. Now you can tell them, hey, I might ask a follow-up question that's not on here, but the more that you and the guest are in sync, the better kind of an episode you're going to have. Okay, that makes sense. Well, I think that's a great start into the interview style and has given us a lot of information and insight. Do you want to move on to the next one? Let's do it. All right, so let's move on to the banter style. So the banter style, what I was talking about earlier, is I'm going to say two to more people, usually three or more. So when I have my good friend Brandon Manderson on, we pretty much we have a topic at hand we're going to talk about, and right. we just kind of you know, feed off of each other and we have some banter going on. Right. So tell me about it. What do you like, dislike, and what do you think people can do to improve their banter style podcast? This is my least favorite of the podcast styles, actually. Okay. What you would call the the banter style. So it's a little bit like interview, 
but it's a bit more informal because interview there is kind of a difference. You have the host and the guest. They're not on an equal platform. Whereas with banter, you have all the hosts are an equal platform and they're just kind of goofing around with each other or casually discussing things with one another. And they're talking about a subject. I'm not a big fan of the banter style because I find it usually to be very inefficient. It's not a great use of my time. And that's something you have to remember as a podcaster. People's time is very valuable. There are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there for them to listen to. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of competition. This is not like, you know, 10 years ago in the early 2000s when there was hardly... Everybody's got a podcast now. So there's so much to choose from. You cannot afford to be unprofessional. You have to be professional and people don't want their time to be wasted. They don't have a lot of time. So for me, if I have to listen to two people and they're just yucking it up with each other. If they're talking, but there's not a flow to what they're talking about, then I get bored because they might make inside jokes and other references that's funny to them. But once again, it's the same cardinal sin that shows up in the interview Mm -hmm. podcast. You forget about the audience. Once you forget about that this show is not for you, it is for the audience. When you forget about that, your podcast is going to fail. Mm -hmm. But you can have. I have been involved in, I have gone to episodes where there is banter. I have had people on my podcast where it's, interview, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. but I know the person so well, we can banter about things. Uh, When I'm on Catholic Answers Live, the radio show Catholic Answers Live, Cy Kellett is the host. We take calls from guests, but Cy and I will banter in between calls. It's almost like we do kind of like a a Laurel and Hardy or kind of like a comedy routine between us. But whenever I do that, I always try to remember we're not just having fun. We are having fun, but we're kind of performing for people. Yes. So it's almost like if you want to banter... You have to treat it like being a stand-up comedian. Your job is to be entertaining, funny, uh, educational for those who are listening to you. So just because you have a banter podcast, you should still have an outline of what you want to talk about. You and the other hosts should be firm. Here is the discussion we're going to go. And then you really have to practice having a good give and take and a flow with the different styles you have to make sure that one person doesn't dominate. Uh, but you know, just to make sure there's a good flow between all of you. What do you think of the style? Uh, I agree with what you're talking about, honestly. You edit a lot of banter ones, don't I'd, you? <laughs> I'm trying to think right now. So I edit a wide variety of podcasts. And it's kind of challenging to think about. So they're in a mix in between interview and banter. But now the more we're talking about it, if you are going to be doing the bantering style, it needs to have a format and a flow. Like you need to have the structure of the podcast laid out or else the audience, what you're saying, is going to be lost and they're not going to be able to follow. So you need to make sure it is professional. You have a plan and you're following through. And it's okay to have that banter back and forth to be to be lighthearted and funny and to... Oh, grow. yeah, and yeah. that's a benefit to the banter style. I mean, I had a show a while back, Hearts and Minds, with Timory Millington. Timory now has her own show on Relevant Radio. And so what we had was a banter podcast. We talked about news and current events. And so one of the benefits of the banter is that you can have two different voices commenting on something and reflecting back on one another. Mm -hmm. And so I might make a point and Timory would jump off of that point. I jump off something that she said. And so it can be very organic and pleasant to listen to when you're in sync and in flow. It's kind of like watching uh, ice skating. You know, when you watch like uh, tandem ice skating, uh, when you see two people that are perfectly in flow with one another, 
uh, it's it's really wonderful to be able to watch. And that's what you want to have with your banter podcast. When you have someone that you work with, you have to make sure that you have a good rapport with that person that you're you're tracking on the same level. And then it just has that natural flow to it. One hard thing about banter podcasts is sometimes if the people do not mesh well, it gets awkward. And I totally. have, and I then I sometimes when I'm editing some bantering, I have to form the conversation in post-production. Because if they're talking over each other and they're both making two different points, I know that's going to be hard for the listener. So I have to go through and decide which one to take out and I have to format the conversation. And if you don't have a professional podcast editor to do that, you're going to lose your audience with all the different voices speaking at once. You have to learn about etiquette when you're engaging people. Even right now, when you were speaking about that, I had a point that I was thinking of, but I waited until you took a breath to be able to jump in. It's these very, these little timing issues that come up in the banter podcast. I know you're performing, so you're both speaking, but you want to, you don't want to talk over the other person, but you don't want to leave an awkward silence. Though I will say it's better to have awkward silence than talking over someone from an editing perspective, because you can always cut awkward silence out. Yeah. Awkward silence is super easy to remove, but when people are pausing with words like um we call those fillers fillers those are harder to edit out and i'm doing some fillers right now so thanks trent i appreciate it well the goal here is when you aren't sure what to say just don't say anything at all it's taken me a lot of practice to learn how to speak and how to articulate what i'm saying without relying on fillers i remember when i was a junior in high school we had our teacher uh, mrs mckinney wayne and she made us, every time we would give a public speech and we said a verbal filler, like, um, uh, uh, well, like, when you fall back on those, she would make us handwrite out 50 times every time, I will not say, um, uh, like, or any other verbal hiccup or verbal filler. And so we would do that over and over again, and it really kind of tortured us, but now I don't rely on that. So when we use those kind of verbal fillers, we're doing it because we feel pressured to want to say something, but we're also trying to think in our mind of what we're going to say at the same time. So don't give into that pressure. Just be quiet because you can always cut that out. But the more you do podcasts, and this will come up here, especially when we talk about the solo podcast, you ha- if you're going to especially do the solo podcast, you have to learn the art of being able to talk and know that the next 10 seconds, here's the sentence that I'm going to say. And while your mouth is saying those words, your mind is formulating what you're going to say after those 10 seconds. Okay, we will get into that. That's kind of blowing (laughs) my mind right now. Sure. So so I think we went through everything in the banter on what we like, don't like, and how someone can improve it. Now let's move on to the narrative style. Mm, And I like to call this the NPR style. Yeah, it's also similar to Ira Glass does it, like This American Story. Uh, Those are really cool and artful kinds of podcasts. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's almost like listening to an audio version of like a Ken Burns documentary. Yes. And so there's a lot. It's very meticulous and planned out. It's almost like watching a... It's like listening to a documentary on on the radio or like if you heard a documentary playing in a TV in the other room. That's the idea is that a person has scripted out what they're going to say. They know the clips that they're going to drop in to be able to tell a story. And so a, a lot of it is it's very different from the other podcasts because there's very little improvisation. Essentially, you you write out a script. You're creating a production. It's almost like a YouTube video without mm-hmm. video. And so you're putting a lot of work into this. I have the closest I did to a narrative is that I wrote a script out once for an, a video on an argument for the existence of God. And I wanted to make this whole YouTube video, but 
I kind of ran out of resources to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So I took that script and turned it into an audio episode of a Council of Trent podcast. And so what I do is I, I read out the script and I had all the clips ready to play on my laptop. And so I just read a script, play a clip, read a script. And so these podcasts are easier to execute, but you're, you're front loading the labor. You're fr- all the work is going into the script and pre-production. And then when you go and put it into place, you know, it, it all comes about. It's kind of the reverse of the interview. Yeah. The interview the bulk of your work is in the actual production itself, thinking on the fly what you're going to say. You can go into an interview without doing any pre-production whatsoever, but you're doing all of the work while you're recording and thinking on the fly of what to ask. With the narrative, you're doing all of the work in the prep time to script out the episode, and then you just record it, and that's a piece of cake. Yeah, so also the narrative style, it can be very tricky also in the post-production. Yes, it can. Because you have to think, you have to redo the intros, you have to redo the voiceovers, you have to go out on location to do the interview sometimes, and then you even have custom music played throughout each scene. So right. th- I like these podcasts, I believe, the best. They keep me engaged. I'm really, it's like a book, but you're listening to it. Right. Well, you see, there's so much work that's gone into it, then that gives you a lot of returns on that. It's Mm -hmm. the same. I mean, with any podcast that you're doing, if you're listening and thinking of creating a podcast, or you're wondering, well, I'm doing a podcast and not a lot of people are listening to it, uh, you have to remember that your return, this is necessary, not necessarily sufficient. You can do a lot of hard work on a podcast and people won't notice it. But if you don't do the hard work, you're not going to get a return on that because you're out there. Once again, people have limited time and they've got nearly unlimited choices. So when I'm going to invest 30 minutes to listen to something, it's got to be worth my time. It's got to be efficient. It's got to be put together well. So it has to sound good. You have to make sure if you have, you cannot afford in this day and age to do a podcast of mediocre audio. Mm-mm. That will not be tolerated anymore. That's why people can hire you to make it sound good. Yeah, I have had people reached out to me to start podcasts and they will continue to send me a phone memos, mm-hmm. recorded phone memos, and you can hear the background noise and everything. Oh, it's terrible. And I'm just like, this can't, even if it's great content, people are going to skip over that immediately. So it has to sound great just to start off with, right. even before you start putting out any great content. Right. So just going through a little more with the narrative, sure. uh, that's going to be the most trickiest for any podcaster starting off. You have to have a team behind you. You do. You do. At the very least, you have to have had experience either in news or broadcast or in visual medium to understand how to create. In news, these are called packages. So if you watch like the evening news, uh, you know, the people always talk in the newscaster diction. There's a great video of a guy. He's calling his mom about the dog. He's like, hi, mom. Just want to let you know about our dog. We took him to the vet. They checked his poo. He turns, it turns out everything was fine. You know how newscasters, so when you listen, uh, you know, there was a disturbance today down at Hyde Park. Well, let's go live to Megan for the story. And then they'll roll into the package and Mm -hmm. then the news reporter has a narration and they get video and they interview people and they say, I can't believe this happened at Hyde Park. You know, this used to be such a family friendly community. They certainly thought it was until Wednesday night, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever it is. And you're, it's almost like the people who will do well, thrive in a narrative audio podcast are people who are good at making video, actually, like YouTube mm-hmm. videos or things like that. Because you're, you're right. You're trying to assemble all of these elements, both planning it. So it's almost like your pre-production and post-production are huge on the narrative. 
And your production is actually the easiest part when you're just kind of reading it out. Yes, that's true. And I, you need to make this one sound great yes. also. Yeah. Because if you go for this attempt and it doesn't execute way, well, it's going to be sound very cheesy and it's going to be hard to listen to. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else on the narrative I think format? We're good. I think we're good. All right. So we're going to move on to what I think is the most intense, and I don't know how Trent does it. It's the solo format. Yeah. And so Trent, he produces three of these a week, and I produce his podcast. I don't go in, and I don't edit any audio. I just chop off the front and the end. I put on the music, and then I upload it for the world to hear. So tell me a little bit about this style trend. Yeah, so the solo podcast is very similar to like conservative talk radio. So if you think about Rush Limbaugh, and yeah. or, uh, or now a more modern analog would be somebody like Ben Shapiro, uh, is just somebody who they're talking into a microphone, though a lot of times the solo podcast is also combined with YouTube. So that they're being recorded and then they upload that. But the solo podcast is just someone, one person talking into the microphone, uh, telling about a story or talking about the news or offering commentary. And the goal here is that in interview, you're talking to a guest. In banter, you're talking to someone else around you. Solo is a bit like narrative in that you're talking to the audience directly. But unlike narrative, it's not scripted. So the narrative, you're talking to the audience as if you were sitting in, let's say, a book club and you're reading a book to people. What makes solo difficult is it's more like standing up and doing a live improvisational speech to people. And for most people, public speaking is their number one fear. Mm -hmm. So you can see that when it comes to solo podcasting, that's why when I listen to podcasts, especially like in the Catholic world where you and I run in more circles, look at different podcasts to listen to, it's very rare. It's very rare for me to find a podcast where it's just one person who talks for 30 minutes straight or an hour straight to me, the listener. Usually it's interview or banter because it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to just be here. You're speaking directly to the audience and you have to imagine like the audience is just right there and you're talking to them. So there's a lot of different things that can help with that. I have a theater background. So I used to do plays. I used to do musicals. And so I think of podcasts almost as being like performances. And so I'm talking to people. I also have a public speaking background. Mm -hmm. So I would go, I go and I still do. I go and I give talks. I'll go to churches. I'll go to conferences and I'll give talks to audiences. I remember once I was coaching someone on public speaking and she gave the presentation and she sat down. And she said, what, what do I need to do to improve? And I told her, the one thing you need to do to improve when you're speaking is you need to learn to talk to people and not at people. A, lot, a, a sign of someone who is new either to public speaking or to podcasting is they'll utter, they'll speak into the microphone or they'll get up on stage and they have this tone of voice where it sounds like more they're talking at people, not to them. It's like when someone gets up on stage to do a talk. Hello, everyone. I'm so glad you all are here today. Today, I'm going to be presenting on, it's like, you know, it, it sounds jarring as opposed to saying, hey, everyone, I'm so glad you guys are here today. I'm going to be speaking on. Did you see the subtle difference yeah, there? Yeah. You don't want to be talking at people. You want to be talking to people. And what's hard with the podcast is you have to kind of just imagine that they're there. Mm -hmm. But that's the goal. If you can be talking to people and you can hold that attention in your mind for 30 minutes or an hour, it's great. But once again, it goes back to their podcast, similar to banter interview. When I do my solo podcast, Nick, I have an outline in front of me. Okay. I've known some people who do solo podcasts and they have a script. I find that to be too confining to me. It sounds too artificial. I'm not a fan of that. I've never listened to a solo podcast that's not narrative-based where the person is scripted. 
you have to be able to speak. Like you listen to Ben Shapiro. He obviously has an outline. He has prepared clips. But he's talking to you in an informal way. Like mm-hmm. you're just sitting down across the table and Ben's just going at it. And that's what people I think love yeah. a lot about solo podcasts. They're very, very engaging because you feel like, oh, this person is, it sounds like they're talking to me. Mm-hmm. And, and that just keeps you kind of hooked when you listen to it. As, as opposed to maybe if you listen to banter or interview, it's like you're eavesdropping. It's not as grabbing as if you, the person's talking right to you. I've noticed with a, a solo podcaster, if you're reading the entire script, as a listener, you can tell they're ju- you're just reading it. And then as soon as you go off that script, you immediately can tell, oh, they just went off the script. Oh, now they're back on the script. Right. So I, th- I feel like you want to maintain the in- throughout the whole thing as if you're off the script, right? And you're just talking to them. You're talking to them, to not them. at them. Yeah, not at them. It'd be like when I do my solo podcasts, I imagine that people are sitting with me in my office. I have my notes in front of me, but I, I'm just here to talk to them mm-hmm. about what's happening tell them what's going on in the news, what's going on in the church. Here are my thoughts on that. And what makes it hard with doing the solo podcast, though, it's like when you learn how to juggle. I guess becoming a good podcaster is like becoming a good juggler. (laughs) So when you learn to juggle, uh, and and I'm terrible at it, I barely know how to juggle, but I can can do it in in an emergency, you know, at the kid's birthday party, like, oh no, Bozo the Clown's having an aneurysm. The most important thing here is we don't have a juggler. I'm like, no worries, folks, I'm here to help. You take one, you should start juggling, actually, with a beanbag, not with a ball. Okay. Because you'll drop the balls everywhere and it's annoying when they roll away. So you take a beanbag and you just take one beanbag and you throw it up in the air over and over and over again. One beanbag. Then you take two in the same hand and you go up and down, up and down. And then you add the third, and you always learn to have one in the air. And then as you get better, you can add four, you can add five, but you're learning how to keep track of multiple things that are going. So when you're doing the solo podcast, you have to learn how to juggle and think to yourself, what did I previously say? What am I saying right now? What am I about to say in the next 10 seconds? And where am I going down the line? Where do I want to take this? Eventually, like I alluded to earlier, Mm -hmm. you have to, and it's a very difficult skill to learn, but when you can do it, it's very helpful. You learn while you are talking, while you're talking, you've got yourself about 10 or 15 seconds ahead. It's easy to know what you're going to say. I feel like my brain is programmed my mouth. I know what I'm going to say in the next 10 seconds, but during this 10 seconds, I'm thinking in my mind, what am I going to say in the next few minutes after that? So that's the hardest part is when you're talking to think what you're going to say ahead. Another thing, though, that helps when I do solo podcasts, you can take mental breaks to yourself of what you're going to say when you are either reading an excerpt from news. Mm -hmm. So if you're reading an excerpt or it's even easier if you play like a video or audio clip, I do it live. It can be added in in post, but I like doing it live. Mm -hmm. You do. Uh, Wow. I'm just thinking about this right now. Sure. Uh, I kind of have the same experience if I'm playing a piece of music on the piano. Yeah. So you're... (laughs) You're looking at the notes that you have to play. You're playing it. And as soon as you're playing it, you actually have to look at the notes in front. That's right. So you have to continue to see what you're playing. And so as you're seeing what you need to play, you're playing what's actually currently on the page. And now I need to translate that into my mind and my thoughts. Like, how am I going to be talking right now and thinking about what I'm going to be saying in the future and what I'm going to be saying in the past? And I'm just kind of talking right now, which is like thinking about, about all this, which is crazy. Like the mind... Is just crazy. Another thing yeah. it reminded me of, sometimes when I'm reading out loud to a group of people, right. um, 
I'll notice I'm reading, but then I start thinking different thoughts while I'm reading. And I'm like, how am I reading this and thinking thoughts at the same time? All right, Nick, focus back into your reading. It's it's crazy. But it's similar. Like when I give public presentations, so when I'm on stage, like to see who's a good public presenter, I'm not using 100% of my mental power to think about what I am going to say to the audience. I reserve maybe 10 to 20% of my mental energy to how am I presenting my body? Like an amateur or a novice public speaker will be using 100% of their brain power just trying to remember the words they're going to say. And so when they do that, they forget about where is my body in space? They'll make cardinal sins like they'll stand there. I call it the T-Rex stance. Huh. Uh, oh, actually, no, was, uh, I think his name was Timothy Kegel. I think is his name. It's the book, it's The Exceptional Presenter. He calls it the T-Rex. Huh. And that's where you stand and you're giving a talk and you just hold your forearms out and your your palms, your hands are limp. So you look like you got little T-Rex arms in front of you. <laughs> Whereas rather the way when you're giving a public presentation, you should stand with your arms at your side, hanging down loosely. And that should be your default stance. And then you use your hands to point and gesture in an appropriate and deliberate way to underscore what you're saying. And it's similar when you're doing podcasting. You have to be able to reserve some mental energy, not just for what you're saying, but how you're going to pause, how you're going to transition. But what helps you, though, of course, with this is having prep work. I mean, my solo podcasts are of lower quality if I haven't done good prep. But when I have an outline in front of me, when I have not a script, but I have bulleted points, I have quotes I'm going to read, and I can follow along with it, that frees up mental energy in my mind to focus on the audio quality, even what I'm saying. So another tip to make a solo podcast go well, it's similar with theater, you got to turn up the energy by about 50%. So I wish people could actually see how I'm talking to you yeah. here in the studio. Uh, when I bring people on as guests who have never done podcasts before, I always have to amp them up a little because they start to talk and they realize it sounds very flat. Yeah. And you have to, because you're communicating with someone over a microphone, you have to turn the energy up 50% just to get it to sound like what it would normally be if you were in person with them. So when I'm talking, I'm, I'm gesturing with my arms a lot. I, the correct would be gesticulating. <laughs> you have to increase the volume of your voice. The pitch has to go up and down. And that is important to keep the audience's attention. Yeah, when I'm doing my own podcast as a host or a guest or whatnot, I am. I feel like I have to go 75% above my normal Nickism. So if you met me in real life, I'm kind of like reserved and a little shy. Oh my gosh, Nick, whatnot. when people meet me in real life, they're always disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> they're not disappointed, but they meet me and they think this is the same guy who does the podcast. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm the same person, but when I'm doing the podcast, I'm turning up the energy level to a way that you might not have in a conversation because you need to be able to keep people engaged, whereas in a conversation in person, you can be more relaxed. Yeah, so I have noticed that for people who do podcasting, especially as one person, if you're just being yourself it's going to sound awkward oh yeah you can't be yourself well i mean look you have to amplify yourself you have to bring yourself to the next level it's kind of like acting it is so i'm kind of putting on a show right now when i'm talking to keep the listener engaged keep you engaged keep myself engaged it this is also another reason why i love podcasting but the reason you have to do that is not it's not fake it's that you're trying to get through a medium that is blocking the real you so if you if you imagine that uh if you try to get water through a filter let's say if you're just like spraying water you don't have to turn the hose up that high. But if you had to spray it through like a really thick, dense filter, maybe to get out uh, germs or particles, 
you would have to turn the pressure up because the filter is blocking some of the water. Much the same way, especially with audio in a podcast, if it's audio only especially, uh, you lose those nonverbal cues, even if it's YouTube. You Mm. still have to amplify the energy because you're not in person. You're not in the same location. But especially with audio... You have to get through that person's filters of they can't see you. They can't see your expressions. They they probably don't know you personally. And so because of all that, you have to break through. You have to turn up the energy to make it more personable to them. Yes, that makes so much sense. And that's what I'm continuing to work on at myself as a podcaster. And when I first started podcasting, Oh, it's been about one year now. Yeah. I feel like I have completely changed as a person. Same here. I feel like if you're going to get into podcasting, it's probably best to have you know, a pretty good goal or plan format, know your audience. When I first got into it, I just wanted to do something kind of fun. I didn't really think about the future of the podcast. Right. And now, so now I'm here, which is good. All the previous, when I first started, um, I'm not sure if anyone's actually going back to re-listen to those episodes, but it's, even if you have started already, just continue where you're at and just to improve, you know, listen um, to the various podcasts that you enjoy, you like, um, think about all these different formats and just con- just continue to grow each and every episode. Yeah. And just know, especially if you do the solo episode. Now, sometimes if I'm really on my game, I can just record it in one take and I can often do that. But other times I know a few days ago I was up, you know, I only got about four hours of sleep. So I did my episode, but I had to take gaps. And so when you do it, don't worry. Once again, don't rely on verbal fillers. If you don't know what to say and you're talking, just be quiet and let that be a pause. You can go back in later, either an editor like Nick or even you yourself with GarageBand. It's easy just to, to go in and clip that out. And when you're talking, though, be sure to finish a sentence and leave yourself a good drop point to be able to pick up again. You know, you don't want to stop in an awkward place where you can see that it's kind of a jarring edit. But at the same time, Nick, I do feel like people are a lot more uh, open to this kind of editing in podcasting because people are used to watching YouTube videos where someone talks and there are a bunch of jump cuts. Yeah, so I've I think noticed people, that for YouTube. YouTube, someone will record and there'll just be a ton of jump cuts, which used to be a cardinal sin in video. You're not supposed to have that. But people don't really care when they watch that in a lot of YouTube videos where it's clear the person is cutting out a lot. As long as it still sounds fine, it's okay. And you can have that similar thing with podcasts. If I hear jump cuts in a podcast with abrupt cuts not smooth and organic i will be offended as an audio engineer oh yeah sure so you try really hard to try to find a place where it goes and you end with a distinct room level or noise level that's why it's important to have that good noise level set so that you have something easy to cover and go between these different jumps but if you're talking you're not sure what to say just finish your sentence and then pick it back up later yes please just pause don't say anything then breathe in take a breath And that's a super simple edit to make. Now, I will say the more that I have done this, I have been able to pause mid-sentence because I can remember my voice trajectory. So I might be saying a sentence like, I don't know, maybe what we should understand. So so I've been able, I've had these long gaps, but I remember the trajectory of my voice. And it's a gamble. Sometimes I get the trajectory wrong, but usually people don't notice it as much. So the more practice you get, the more you can do those kinds of pauses. Ladies and gentlemen, that is why Trent Horn has over 3 million listens to his podcast, and he continues to grow his podcast each and every day. Wow, I have learned so much, Trent, and I can't wait to take everything I have learned and put it into practice in my own podcast.
podcast. And I hope everyone else listening will be able to take these great tips. And if you're thinking about starting a podcast, start one. There's no reason not to. It's a great experience and it will help you grow as a person and as an individual. Yeah, thank you for having me, Nick. And I would definitely encourage anyone listening, if you want to grow as a podcaster, it's like any other kind of art form. You just have to do it. You will never become good at something until you can tolerate being bad at it for a long time. Yep. I When I first started drumming, I did not know how to play eighth notes on the hi-hat, quarter notes on the drum, and half notes on the snare drum. But now I can use all four limbs. I can play combinations of each you know, rhythmic element at the same time. You are a veritable little drummer boy. I'm quite <laughs> proud of you. Thank you so much. Um, so everyone, continue to work at it and continue to grow your craft. If you have any questions on how to start a podcast or how to improve it, please reach out to me. You can email me at nick at nccaudio.com or you can just go to nccaudio.com to learn more about me and my editing services and podcast production launching services. I love helping people to start, produce, and to launch their podcast. Thank you so much again, Trent, for being on the NCC Audio Podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, Nick, and thanks for all your good work to make the Council of Trent podcast professional and helping it to reach a lot of people. Thank you so much. Trent. Alrighty, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you so much. Peace. Goodbye.